SayItInACard.com is an online greeting card company that delivers right to your front door. Visit our website, www.SayItInACard.com. You can read the cards, order the cards, and we ship them directly to you. If you feel it, we say it in a card. We have breakup cards, troubled relationship cards, troubled friendship cards, and of course, all of the traditional cards as well, from birthday to Mother's Day. So again, visit us at www.SayItInACard.com. Free shipping for a limited time. This is very personal work for me. Politics. Politics. I believe I was called to Sex. tell my story, use my voice, be a Game. voice for Game. the community, to speak Game. to Game. and for a community of people Game. that's been ignored, denied, love, love, relationships. relationships, religion. This is my life's work. I want to use words to uplift, heal, inspire, encourage. Do something different. Every Monday at 10. Okay, so I really want to get the very beginning of the story. I met you in a grocery store about two months ago. Yes, with Madison. With Madison. And I don't even know how we started talking about your story. I don't even know how we got on that. Well, I met Madison. Well, I always followed Madison uh-huh. on IG. Mm-hmm. But during the holidays, I saw her and Miss Mary at the grocery right. store. So me and her always so happened to meet at Publix. Uh-huh. So <laughs> when I saw her this time, I was like, oh, hey, Maddie, you know, how you doing? And mm-hmm. I just saw that she was going through some little issues she was having. So she's like, oh, my God, you saw that? So, you know, we were just talking and mm-hmm. you were there. Mm-hmm. And so you were like. Um, I was trying to explain to her how to... To handle the the, the grief. Yes. Yes. She said one of her friends... Right, her best friend died. Mm Mm-hmm. And you started talking about Mm -hmm. how you had experienced a loss. So tell us, who did you lose? When did you lose your loved one? And Mm -hmm. how? Okay, so... Do we need to get some tissue? Because your eyes are already (laughs) watering. Oh, no. I'm good. Okay. All right, go ahead. Okay, so it'll be five years. Okay. This month on the 25th of June. Okay. I lost my only child, Sierra. Okay. And she always, she was, she was born with a disability. Okay. So basically, I took on that role and that challenge like nothing. It was like, this is what I got, what I have to deal with. I'm going to do it. You know, it was nothing that she needed or wanted for that mm-hmm. I wasn't going to do. Not if I had to sort out sort out all kind of resources or if I had to move to another state I was going to do it. Because Are you was, from here? I'm not from Georgia. Okay. I moved here in 06 because of her. Okay. Um, I'm actually from Alabama. Okay. And so me being a teen mom because I had her at a young age. Okay. And most people want most teenage girls when they get pregnant the Worst, I mean, you never think about mm-hmm. you're gonna have a special needs child, right? Right, you know, you all you're thinking about, oh, I'm gonna dress my daughter up in this and mm-hmm. that. But she was born with cerebral palsy, had okay. a severe seizure disorder. And when she was in and out the hospital, and I was still in high school, okay, when all of this was happening, when all this was happening, and so what I did was I educated myself, I talked to the doctors. 
I asked all the questions because I needed to educate myself in order to be able to provide for my daughter and make sure she got the right health care. Nobody taught me how to do it. Nobody told me what to do. I just knew as a mother that I had to do yeah. it. Like I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't because I wasn't educated enough. I didn't know the terminology of mm-hmm. anything. So what I did, I took it upon myself and say, I looked at my daughter and we're going to do this together. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to just put you off on my mom mm-hmm. or your dad or your or my family. This is my job. This is my role. Did you have help from your family? My family, of course. Uh-huh. But I had a lot of help and they offered so much, but I didn't want their help because I felt like I want it was my job. Mm-hmm. It wasn't nobody else's job to do it. Mm-hmm. So, how old was your daughter when you lost her? She was 21. Okay, and so she had a seizure, and that's what... No, she ended up having... We moved to New Jersey in 2013, and I got a scholarship and to finish up my education. Okay. So, I have a degree in biology and chemistry. Okay. So, I went to New Jersey, um, and 11 months when I was there, while I was still in school, in my program, she passed away. Um, she had complications from surgery. And... <clears throat> I knew that what she was going through and what she'd been going through for 21 years, mm-hmm. I knew that our fight, you know, was over. Mm-hmm. So I just had to say my goodbyes, say my peace, and, you know, let her know that she's going to continue on somewhere else, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be here, but we will meet, you know, we will meet again. Right. So... For those who may not know a lot about cerebral palsy, so were there what types of complications did she experience over the years? Was it a lot of in hospital? We were in a hospital a lot, um, but I was able to manage it, like surgeries, which we didn't have a lot of, but she did have them. Um, She had a severe seizure disorder to the point where she was allergic to seizure medication, and because her body built up a tolerance over the years with the medication, that she couldn't even take medication. Okay. So basically, when 2009, I actually had to have some from, she was born in 1992. So from the time, from 1992 to the year of 2009, I did it all by myself. But in 2009, when her health started declining, I had to end up bringing in nurses to help me with her care. Mm-hmm. So you said that you wanted to take on this responsibility yourself, and so you wanted to sort through everything. You wanted to figure out how to manage it all. What were some of the things that you learned um, that you would have to do, or what were some of the needs that she would have? Because you said you moved here because of her. Mm-hmm. Um, like in some states, you know, I can't say all states, uh-huh. but in some states, when you're dealing with when your child need, like, just say catheter catheterization, okay. some of those things are not paid for through Medicaid. Okay. Even though I was working and she was getting Medicaid, but at the same time, a lot of things. A lot of the specialists, you know, it's kind of hard to get in. And people would think that, oh, because you have a special needs child, mm-hmm. it, sh- it should be automatically. You still have to fight. Right. The doctor's appointment may be two months out. And what are you going to do in between time until you get into right. the specialist? Right. So at the end of the day, it was just like it was hard because it wasn't a lot that was offered. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time I would have to go to Birmingham. So if I'm going to go to Birmingham, which is three hours away from my hometown... Let me just move to a bigger city mm-hmm. to where I can get the Those things of, yeah. that I need. So were there programs for, for like funding? Yeah, there are programs and funding. But at the end of the day, 
me, I'm, I guess because I'm just so selfless mm-hmm. that I knew that I can do it mm-hmm. and I knew what I was capable of. Mm-hmm. And if she needed, I would get it. But majority of the time, I would try not to use those resources right. because I felt like there was another child. This child next to her needed a little bit more mm-hmm. than what she did. Something you said earlier, like right out the gate, it, it reminded me of of a girl that I went to high school with. And she ended up, well, I'm from Baltimore. And mm-hmm. so at one point, Baltimore was one of those cities that had the highest teen pregnancy rates in the country. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I went to school with a lot of girls that had, that right. had kids. And so a girl that I was friends with at the time, she ended up having, well, she kind of waited. She was one of the ones that didn't have a kid, Mm -hmm. but she ended up getting to that point where she was ready to have a kid. We had gone through college and everything, but she had gotten to that point that she was single and she was just ready to have a kid Mm -hmm. because all of her girlfriends had kids. And so she ended up having a son and he had so many complications. And that was one of those things, to your point. When you're having your first child, especially if you're underage, you're not really thinking about all of the things that could go, quote unquote, wrong. Right. Um, He was in the hospital, I think, probably 10 months out of the first year Mm -hmm. of his life. Um, He has like a, I think it's like a trach type. Mm -hmm, A tracheotomy. Yes, Mm -hmm. he has that. I mean, he, he was born underweight. Like, he had a lot of issues. And she became resentful of like her mom her sister because she was at the hospital every day Mm -hmm. but her mom and sister they weren't there every day I mean they came and I can't say how often they they went to visit but they were there but she was there every day and she became resentful of them because she felt like they weren't really the the support supporting her the way that she needed and and so it really kind of affected her relationship with her sibling right. and her, her well, mom. You, you know what I can tell her about that? Just from my own experience, like my family, when I moved here, like when she, when we were in Alabama, mm-hmm. my family would always come. But when I moved here, when she would go into the hospital, you know, Children's Health Care of Atlanta, best, the best. They gave me phenomenal treatment. Mm-hmm. But when we moved here, it was kind of hard for my family members to come. And when they did come, you know, they would come for a mm-hmm. weekend, you know, mm-hmm. to, to see her. And but did you ever have, like, relief? Did you ever have anybody that could just... I'm going to tell you like this. I Basically, I didn't want the relief. Okay. You know, like, my mom will come, and she'll stay for a couple of hours. You know, she'll stay all day. Uh-huh. And I got so accustomed to sleeping on the hospital bed, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when you have to change nurses, and, mm-hmm. when, you know, when you're just dealing with a special needs child, you just want to be hands-on, mm-hmm. and... They, the, the relief, it comes, but at the end of the day, when they see that you can, you handle it so good, mm-hmm. because that's why I said my family, they saw me handle it so good. I never say, I need y'all. I need you. Mm-hmm. I need you. I always just took it right, and just went with it. And I say to them all the time, like, I really do believe that God, the universe knows what each of us needs mm-hmm. to grow us. Yes. For me, it was financially. Like, mm-hmm. I lost everything car was repossessed bank account was overdrawn $660 but it doesn't happen that way for everybody right. some people it's the loss of a loved one mm-hmm. some people it's cancer it's about with cancer some people it's a divorce right. like i believe that god the universe knows what each of us needs to grow us to that next level right. so would you say that this really like grew you her death her passing all of it just well, just her condition her condition and- it grew me it made me grow up faster mhm Mm-hmm. And it made me take on the role as a mother even more, you know. And I, it was just like I was just 
18 years old with a special needs child, mm-hmm. I was just so a mature. Yeah. Like, she really matured me. And if it wasn't for her, she made me who I am today. Right. My life would probably be in a whole different perspective. Right. If God had not yeah, yeah, if I wasn't, you know, giving her. Right. So, I owe all of my accomplishments, everything that I work for, everything that I strive for, mm-hmm. everything that I stand for, I owe it to her. Because you got two degrees, you said. Yes. And all, all while and she was... While caring for her. Yes. Now, what exactly is cerebral palsy? Cerebral palsy is a condition where it, it, it you know, with your muscles, okay. like your development of okay. your, 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 your muscles, your limbs. Mm-hmm. So basically, she didn't walk, she didn't talk. Okay. So I had to form a type of communication where I know when she was in pain, mm-hmm. when she was hungry, if she was happy, if she was sad. Okay. So I had to just. You know, learn because right. it was a learning process right. for me. So basically, we learned together, me and her. So were you able to identify that she was going to be special needs before she was born, or was it right after she was born? She was about three months old, and I kept saying she's not developing. Okay, and I was still in high school. Like right. I never knew. knew, but I knew yeah. that something was wrong. Because yeah. you were paying attention. Yes, I was paying attention, and I was like. Something is not right. So I took her to a pediatrician, and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, somebody else I know who has a three-month-old, their baby is doing this, but my daughter is not doing this. Mm-hmm. And she did a full examination, and then that's when she referred us to a neurologist. Okay. And then from there on, everything just started, bam, bam, bam. Okay. So basically, it was those three months was basically preparing me for what mm-hmm. I needed to no, for right. the rest of the years. Right. So, with this information, you jumped in and just got to work, yes. got busy. How did impact? How did it impact her father? Did did he withdraw? Because I think that sometimes, especially when you're talking about death, and not in mm-hmm. this situation, but you know, how sometimes in in your family, like you may have a parent mm-hmm. that passes away, and that parent may have several children, mm-hmm. or let's just say they're in the hospital for a period. You may have one of two of the children that are always there at the hospital, right. but some people just don't handle seeing their parent that way. So, was that the case with him? No. Did, or he was still hands-on? He, he was hands-on. Okay. Very hands-on. And we both were young. He was in, he graduated a year before I did. Okay. So we were young parents. Right. And his mom and his family, we, they, my, and my family, everybody stepped up. So basically, we had the good. We had a good support system. Okay. And I can't knock that. Right. But you know, but at the same time, I didn't. They offered the help. You know, I I had my breaks. You know, mm-hmm. and her grandmother, her father's mother would come, and he she would stay. Okay. But at the end of the day, I just knew that it was my responsibility as a yeah. mother to just see everything through. Yeah. So how did her passing affect you? Because that's where we connected in the grocery store that day. Yes. So what? <clears throat> yes. To take us through. Cause, cause, and I want you to speak directly to, just I'm imagine gonna, there's... I'm going to so- have a drink. <laughs> yes. Go ahead and take a sip. <laughs> just imagine there's somebody watching you mm-hmm. there right in that dark space that you were in at that time. So right. just imagine if you were talking to yourself right. at that point. Okay. So we were in New Jersey for 11 months. Okay. Um, and she um, got sick. She had ended up having like an emergency surgery. You know, it was just a little outpatient surgery. Mm-hmm. And so um, the next day, she wasn't feeling too good, but I took her to another doctor's appointment. 
because prior to me moving to New Jersey and to finish up my education, I sought out the hospitals, the doctors, mm-hmm. everything that Did I wanted. Research. I wanted to make sure everything was going to be close by and on top right. of everything. Yeah. So the um, the day that she passed away. Um, I took her to the doctor that morning. Mm-hmm. And so, like, my daughter was, like, right in front of me. And no complication, no signs of distress or anything. I mean, I've been dealing with this for 21 years, so mm-hmm. I just know her every move. So um, the doctor was like, you know, her heart rate is a little high. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, she went to the, she had a little, you know, outpatient surgery yesterday. Mm-hmm. So... Um, she was on a diet called a ketogenic diet that okay. people are on now. Well, now but basically, yeah, keto, this yeah. diet was designed for kids with special needs. Okay. So she was on this diet called ketogenic diet, and she's been on that since '09. So she was actually doing very well. No med- no seizure medication because she was allergic to seizure medication. Okay, right. So um, when we were leaving the doctor's appointment, I was putting her in the car. And so when I put her in the car, she had a seizure. And I was like, okay, maybe, you know, because it's hot, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to take you home and, you know, turn the air conditioning on you and put, put, on, put you on some oxygen. And, and so you're having conversation with her even yeah. though she can't talk. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, let yeah. her know, mommy, you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. So I put her in the car. And so her nurse was coming in about maybe like 1 o'clock, okay. 12 o'clock. So, and mind you, I scheduled her surgery because... This was in May, so I was done with my semester of school. Okay. So I kind of scheduled her surgery around my school work so that way I can be there. Yeah. Because I didn't have any family members in Jersey. In Jersey. So when I laid her, I got her home, I laid her down, and I, when her nurse came in, I told her, I said, well, you know, she had a seizure, but she already knew she mm-hmm. was aware that Sierra had, you know, outpatient surgery the day before. Mm-hmm. So when I laid Sierra down in the bed, you know, I was like, I'm going to lay down now. You know, I'm going to take me a nap. And so the nurse, my niece, she was there in New Jersey with us. Okay. She um, knocked on my door. She was like, Auntie, something is wrong with Sierra. And I was like, what? And so I jumped up. Now, this is two hours later. Uh-huh. From the doctor's appointment. Yes, because uh-huh. we only live five minutes away. So I jumped up, and she was like, you got to call 911. She was like, she's, she can't breathe. She's like, she's in distress. I just laid my daughter down. Wasn't no signs. I mean, I've been with her all morning. No signs of distress. No signs of nothing. Mm-hmm. So we called 911. The ambulance came. Her nurse rode in the ambulance with her and I drove. So I beat them to the hospital because I was like, wait a minute. You know, right. something's, you know. So I wasn't thinking that this was going to be it. Mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe she just having complications mm-hmm. from her surgery. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got her to the hospital, we got her to the hospital, her lungs had collapsed. Her intestine had erupted. Mm. Like, it was just a cascade of fit. Everything just like, bam, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. And so they just did a lot of tests. They did, you checked her blood levels and everything. They put a central line in because her heart rate was so high that they couldn't get her, they, they couldn't get her body a relaxed enough to do a full, mm-hmm. thorough workup. Mm-hmm. So they had her body eat. was tense, I guess. And she was just sweating so right. bad. And my daughter only weighed 80 pounds. Uh-huh. And so her heart rate was like 160, 170, 180. Uh-huh. So they were just trying to, so they had to put a central line in so they can get to sedate her, to incubate her. Because we were like, just, you know, I was like, just put her in a, a coma so you guys can do what you need to do. Uh-huh. And so they did that. They did the process. And by then, 
it was so much that's when I found out everything like I thought it was I thought they were moving fast enough but in reality they actually were Mm -hmm. I was the one who was just like wait a minute you know I was panicking Mm -hmm. because I'm like you know what is really going on so they like well you know they told me all these things they had to they had to incubate her lungs. They had to drain the fluid off. Mm-hmm. And then when her intestines erupted, you know, bowel had mm-hmm. set in, sepsis mm-hmm. had set in. All of this was in, like, bam, bam, bam. Right, right. And I'm like, okay. So they were like, we need to open her up to find out where is this hole coming from. And that's when I, as a mother, had to make that decision. I was like, do I want her to go through this? Because... I know once sepsis set in, mm-hmm. I know once they remove your intestines, I know that it's going to be multiple surgeries mm-hmm. after that just to put everything back in. Mm-hmm. So I just had to have a talk with myself, have a talk with God, and come with a conclusion like, you know what? Enough is enough. So did you feel like maybe I should call my mom or talk to somebody like somebody before you, you just made the decision right there? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want her to have to suffer right. anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, she didn't have multiple surgeries. We didn't have so many hospital stays. And I just felt like at that time, like, and I asked the doctors, I was like, what are her chances mm-hmm. of, if I let you do the surgery, what are her chances? And they told me 50 50. Mm-hmm. So, 50 50. Yeah. So I had to just make that decision and just say, you know what, just put her on comfort measures. So what were your next steps? Like once that happened, how long after that did you leave the hospital? When I elected to put her on comfort measures, and this was maybe like 3, three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so they was like, okay, you know, you can go home and we'll call you when we start the process. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I went home because I only lived five minutes away. Mm-hmm. So we went home and they were calling me, but also the organ uh-huh. network was calling me as well because I wanted her to be to an donate. organ donor. Yeah. But she couldn't because when your body is accepted, yeah. there's no way that they can use any of her organs. Right. So they were calling me and they was like, you know, she passed at 4:45, and I was like, what? You know, you you guys didn't call me, but she so it was about an hour were, and forty five minutes after you had left. Yeah, so I you know because I it, I was really torn. Like, did I really make the right decision? Uh-huh. Because as a mother, I was like, dang, did I really make mm-hmm. the right decision? So, because your decision was to put her on comfort medication, just to kind of like measures until, measures until she just started trained. The process, yeah, yes, but, but she ended up passing. Yes. So that was. Did you feel? Relief, quote unquote, that you had made the right decision. I did. Since she did at the pass? same time, but I didn't. Right. Because even though I know that I made the right decision, but at the same time, as a mother, you still have that right in the back of your head. Like, did I really make the right decision? And at the time, I was calling my family members because they were in Alabama, right. and you know the time difference. And so people was like, "What?" You know, everybody was like, "What? What happened?" You know, and. Me trying to explain to them, and I couldn't explain yeah. to them. And still try to grieve. And grieve. And, yeah, and, yeah. and they were like, the I don't want her, you know, to pass. Like, my family, they didn't want me to make that decision. But I told them, it's, you know, I just knew as a mother that mm-hmm. the fight was over. So this conversation with your family was happening once you had left the hospital, but 
at, right before she before I even before left the hospital okay. when I had decided to put her on. Right. You know, my mom. You know her. You know my friends, my family, my you know everybody. They were just like, we don't want this to happen. They do the surgery, and I was like, and I knew her body oh, yeah. wasn't going to right make it. So I just didn't want to put her through that anymore. So when the hospital called you at four forty-five, I jumped up and did what? And I was like, I, I told my niece, I said, we got to go. Sierra just passed, and she just hollered and screamed because she, because they so used to her going to the hospital and coming home. Yeah, yeah. Nobody expect for her not to come back. Right. So at this point, are you crying? I'm crying. I'm just like. You know, I just ran into the hospital. You know, security was like, where are you going? I was like, my daughter just passed. I got to go. And so they just let me in. And Mm so, you know, when she was there and, you know, she looked at at peace. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, you know, you know, you did good. You know, Mm -hmm. you you fought a good fight. You did good. And I'm proud of you. And, you know, and I love you. And, you know, it was just like, you know, she gave me the best 21 years of my life mm-hmm. the best I couldn't I wouldn't ask for nothing else that was like the best thing that ever happened to me so at what point did you call her dad to let him I know? was calling her dad uh-huh but he wasn't answering the phone uh-huh because it was three in the morning in, in, the, in Jersey mm-hmm. so in Alabama, Alabama it, was it was like two. two yeah so I was calling and a lot of people wasn't picking up you know right. they were just like you know nobody would never expect that right and they would never expect to get that phone call. Yeah. And so when I called him, he was like, so you telling me my daughter is not here anymore? And I was like, yeah, she's not here. And he just took a silent breath and he just like let out because she was our, my first child and his first child. Yeah, like yeah. he just and it, it really changed him. Death really hit him. Uh-huh. But it really hit me harder. In what way? It hit me in a way of I didn't know because I did. I was doing. I was a caretaker for twenty one years. Because at this point, how old were you? Oh God, this was in twenty fourteen. So I'll be forty four. <laughs> okay, so that was five years ago. So you were thirty nine. Thirty nine. Yeah, she passed five days before my birthday. Oh. Yes. And so you said it hit you hard. Like it what? hit me hard. Because after she passed, you know, you have to... People don't understand when you have a loved one or a family member that passed in another state, mm-hmm. that that's not your hometown, mm-hmm. and especially if you're taking them back home. Mm-hmm. You have to have... Basically, I had to have two funerals. Yeah. Because I had to get a funeral home there to prep her. Yes. And then ship her to body her to, to Alabama. Alabama to where she's, you know, buried. Yeah. yeah. So basically, I was like... My birthday had came and gone. Like, I didn't even realize that my birthday had came and gone because right. I'm busy planning yeah. a funeral, yeah. you know. And so after I got her body off and on the plane to Alabama, that's when I booked my flight, you know, because... So like, at, at, at any point, did any of your family members or friends come up to Jersey no. to... No. Nobody came. Everybody called. Right. And I wouldn't want them to come to Jersey because they I, I was coming home anyway. Mm-hmm. So, but when I got home, like, everybody was like, what do you need? We're going to, you know, this and that. And so when I got off the plane to Alabama, you know, I had I had the support anyway. And everybody was calling and asking, mm-hmm. were you okay? But I wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I knew that I had to finish 
what I started. Right. You just can't. I couldn't put that off on nobody else. So, since it was five days before your birthday. Like, my birthday had came and went. I didn't even think about my birthday. Like, I never celebrated my birthday from that point on because. That was what I was going to ask you. So, now, five years later, do you ever get to really kind of celebrate your birthday? Do you look forward to your birthday or do you kind of dread it because that's kind of like the time? Prior to May 7th, I did. Uh But, like, now I don't dread it anymore. Okay. But I had to just get, you know, get everything together, get get her casket, you know, make all the arrangements, pay for everything because, and I thank God I was in a position to do that because a mm-hmm. lot of people are not in that position to mm-hmm. do it. So I was like, when you fly a body, like I've never had to do that. It's about $2,000. You have to pay that? Yes, that that's not have, something that life insurance or anything covers? She had or? a life insurance policy, but at the same time, some you you don't because you're in you're grieving mm-hmm. and those are the things you don't want people in your personal business mm-hmm. like that because mm-hmm. I just felt like her life insurance policy was her business mm-hmm. and if I have the money to pay for it let me go ahead and pay for mm-hmm. it because I don't want you digging into what her personal life and what I had you know for her. Mm-hmm. So, basically, I paid for everything out of pocket, out of my savings account. I just paid for everything. I even and a lot of people fit, think that you have to get the casket from the funeral home. You don't because I didn't want a standard because this is my my you know my my girl you know this mm-hmm. is my my angel you know and I wanted nothing but the best for her. Even when her body came, got they received her body. Mm-hmm. Put some, put a pair of panties and a, some bra, a bra on her because I wanted her dignity to still be mm-hmm. respected. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know that's my child. You know, I wasn't there to do all of that, and I would have if I had to beat her there. But because I wasn't there, cover her up, put a pair, put a bra on, and some panties, and I had somebody to go buy those items to make sure. That they put that on my daughter mm-hmm. because I wanted her to still be treated with dignity mm-hmm. and respect. Mm-hmm. So, you said that it got really dark for you. So, like the, the her death. Her death really got dark for me. So once I buried her and got her back, I mean, I got back to New Jersey because I was still, still yeah. in school. Mm-hmm. And so eleven months after. So you finished the semester. You didn't take I, off. She passed in, in June, so I was actually okay. on summer. summer so school okay. started back six weeks later, okay. and I just dove everything into my education mm-hmm. because at the same time, I had got a scholarship as well. So I talked to my professors, and they knew, and they was like, no, you know, you don't have to come back this semester. And I knew that if I didn't come back, because everything I was doing was for her. Mm-hmm. You know, this everything, me busting, you know, Going this extra mile, it was for her because mm-hmm. I wanted her to have a better life. Everything I wanted her to have, like my house, mm-hmm. what I work hard for, everything is basically for her. And I always told my family members, if I leave this earth today or tomorrow, there's no reason why y'all can't come here and stay. This is a house I bought for her. So that way she'll always have a roof over her head. Mm-hmm. There was no need for you guys to put her in a nursing home. 
don't spend my my life insurance money on a funeral. You can cremate me and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Use every dollar to that I have take care of her. to take care of her. So yeah. that way you don't have to say yeah. she's a burden to you. Right. And everybody knew. That was the way you were planning. That, that was my plan from. Yeah. In the event you passed first. Mm-hmm. Which most parents the, expect. Right. Yeah. So when I, you know, school and I just bust my ass in school, I just put all that energy into. Mm-hmm. You know, my education. And so when did you realize that you weren't okay? After I graduated. So how much time, how much longer before you graduated? It was 11 months after I, after she passed. I graduated 11 months. So I okay. graduated May of 2015. Okay. So after that, after I finished school, like, I was just, like, in limbo, you know, doing some research. You know, what am I going to do next? I'm still here in New Jersey. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? It, you know, because I had been taking care of her for over 21 years, mm-hmm. I didn't know what, know what to, do. to do. You didn't know what your life consisted of. Nothing. So, do you think, and we're still not there yet, yeah. but do you think that you were maybe in a functional depression while you were in school? Like, when you still had that last year, do you think that you were... Because fun- I experienced a depression yeah. where m- people on the outside didn't know. Because yeah. I was still functioning. You yeah. were still functioning. You were going to school and, you know, working. I was still I was functioning. still functioning. But when I was home, it was very dark. Yeah. It, it was, was very dark for me. It was very sad. It, mm-hmm. Things seemed to be very bleak. There were days when I had nothing to do, like right. when I didn't have an agenda for the day. Mm-hmm. Like I could literally not brush my teeth till four or five o'clock right. in the afternoon. Right. You know, I could literally go that whole day without showering because I just was I was just in a fog. And it was very dark. And when I say very dark and gloomy, like I didn't know what to do with myself. Like I was just like, okay, what am I going to do next? Because it was to the point, sometimes I would still wake up and go to the next room to check on her because she was there. Like, I got to get her up. Uh And I get in there and she's not there. Let me ask you this. And I want you to really hear what I'm asking you. Was there ever a moment where once she was gone that you breathed like a sigh of relief that either you didn't have the, 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 the burden or she didn't suffer, have to suffer anymore. Was there ever that moment where you felt like, where you just, no? No. I yeah. didn't get that relief until this year, okay. May 7th of this uh-huh. year. I didn't get that relief. It, that, even though I was okay, but I wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And I was going to, to therapists. So what, made, what, what prompted you to go to therapy? I just I knew that I wasn't healing. You just knew. Yeah. I wasn't healing. So nobody said, well, maybe you should go and speak to somebody. Mm-mm. You just did it at your I own volition. Do it. I did it at my own. Okay. And I knew that I wasn't healing properly. So how did you find your therapist? Um, I online. Okay, you just went and looked. I was also using the school. Okay. As well, the counselor at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just you know just kind of sort out, and I was just talking. To people, you know, and just asking, you know, where can I go for help, Mm -hmm. you know, and like my my school therapist, the counselor, she was like, okay, I think you need to call these people because I would see her twice a week. Okay, the school counselor. Okay, and even after I graduated, Uh but she would still go back to her even after you graduated, which you were gonna say she didn't have to do that, right? She didn't have to do it, but she did. Yeah, and so. 
I said, you know, let me go. Let me find out, you know, what I need to do to get myself together. Because I knew I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. I had started to become very angry. Mm-hmm. I was I was pacing the floors all night long. I would walk the city at night, How even we- in the snow. Doing what, though? Just walking. Because I, I was lost. Yeah. Because I didn't have my routine that I would do. Yeah, you didn't know what to do with your time. I didn't know what to do with all this extra time I had on my hands. And you said you were angry, so like, how did your anger show itself? I, I did it was, did it come out in like road rage or no. what? It came out in my conversations. Uh-huh. You know, I just was to the point where if somebody said something wrong, I probably I was ready to fight. Right. Because I had so much just a short anger, yeah, yeah, my it was, and my patience is so good, uh-huh. but I was just ready to fight, you know, just because I knew it had to come out, mm-hmm. and so they put me on. Well, wait, hold on, hold on, let's let's get okay. there slowly. So you, your school counselor referred you to outside resources. outside resources, mm-hmm. and so you got with them mm-hmm. and you started going to them. Mm-hmm. And how long were you going to them before they started to prescribe you? They actually prescribed me medication right then and there. Okay. When you first went to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because at the end of the day, it wasn't no self-harm. I wasn't trying to harm myself mm-hmm. or anything. But at the same time, I just felt like, what am I living for at the same time? Mm-hmm. And like I couldn't piece it together. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, they, I will go to, I will see them twice a week as okay. well. Like so I you saw were two, the, two different right. therapists. So basically my whole week, free time, yeah, yes. I was going to see therapists because <laughs> I knew that I wasn't healing. Yeah. And so basically I had designed my whole life around therapy. Therapy. So you were going to the school council two days a week and then you were going go to, to the to- outside resources two days a week. Yes. So basically that what my whole schedule consists of therapy. So they prescribed you medication. They prescribed you medicine, mm-hmm. medication, and this is a little bit of what you kind of gave me that day when we met mm-hmm. at the grocery store. And how long were you on it? I was on medication the for maybe a year and a half. Okay, and how did it make you feel? Basically, the medication it made me really it masked everything that I was going through. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell everybody that medication doesn't work, and it does if you need it. Uh-huh. But it for you, it it didn't work for me uh-huh. because it basically it hindered my grieving process. Yes, because people fail to realize, and I kept telling them, you know, I'm not grieving properly. I'm not. I didn't get the because I know that my hard work. Mm-hmm. And what I stood for and what the life that I gave my daughter, I know that it wasn't in vain. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a relief at all. Mm-hmm. So basically, I feel like the medication, the medication was basically hindering me mm-hmm. from grieving. Mm-hmm. And so did it make you feel loopy? It or? made me go into a deeper depression. Oh. It didn't relieve me. I, I I was you know I was high you uh-huh. know off the medication uh-huh. and I was doing some things that you shouldn't even do. I was sometimes I would drink. I was just gonna ask you that. I would drink with the medication and that's a big no no. Yeah. And it had got to the point even when I would work because I had 
started working like third shift just okay. to do something. Yeah. But I will drink. I will take the medication and drink at the same time so uh-huh. I can go to sleep. And I will sleep all day until it was time for me to go back to work. You know, the reason I was going to ask you um, if you developed any type of unhealthy type behaviors because right. I, th- that's usually a symptom of depression. Right. You know, for me, mm-hmm. um, and those that are listening that that read yeah. my first book, you already know my story. So, like, yeah. for me, when I was at the height of my depression... You would drink. I, I wasn't drinking. No. Mm-hmm. See, I, th- I think... Th- and that's the thing. Like, everybody have different outlets different mm-hmm. vices mm-hmm. like some people they drink some people they shop some people eat for me mm-hmm. I was having sex right oh wow oh yeah oh wow getting it in okay and and I had to catch myself I was just like well wait a minute now because you live in a dangerous life. yeah it was dangerous you know and that's why you know today when I say I'm so grateful for that process for that experience because I got through that process without ever having contracting any type of STD right or getting raped or killed or anything could have happened you know what I'm saying so for you you started drinking I started drinking and it wasn't like I was uh, a drunk all day long right I would just knew that because I was on a medication for a minute and I built up a tolerance against it. So basically, I started drinking with the medication mm-hmm. so I can get the effect. Yeah, you were trying to get back to that feeling. I was just trying to get back to that feeling. Yeah. And I would, you know, still come home to Georgia and Alabama, to, you know, mm-hmm. to see my family and friends. But I wasn't, I wasn't me. Mm-hmm. And did any of them notice? No, but I don't think nobody really knew. And, and see, it was easy for you to hide it because you were living in Jersey. Yeah. And see, that's why I say a functional depression because, you know, you were able to mask it. mm -hmm. When you came down here or to Mm -hmm. Alabama, you know... Nobody knew. Right. You were still going to work, Mm -hmm. you know. I was was a walking pharmacy. mm. Basically, I was a walking pharmacy. I had enough medication to the point where I could have gave you some. Uh Uh-huh. But that's just how I was uh, walking. Right. So what was the turning point when you decided enough is enough? So was it first, I need to get off of these, this medication because it's not working? Or was it, I need to get off this medication because now I'm, I'm at the point where I'm abusing it? Or was it a combination of both? I had to, when I, re- I knew that, when I had this out-of-body experience, uh-huh. and, and I knew, you know, my doctor was like, you know, you know, you know, you still on medication, you know. Because they were thinking that you would only be on there for a period of time. Right. And, then and here kinda, it is a year in the past and I'm and still, still on, on it. it. Yeah. And I'm still coming to you with the same issue. Right. And I'm just like, you know what? I knew I had that out of I was like, no, something is not right. This is not me. I'm not happy. Uh-huh. You know. I'm not smiling. I'm mm-hmm. not my fun-loving self mm-hmm. that all my family and friends know, you know. And at the end of the day, I was... Some of the things I had started doing, stupid things. Like, only because I was trying... That was my way of trying to let them know something was wrong with yeah. me. Yeah. But they were so used out. to me being so well together yeah. and have... Nobody paid attention. Right. To what, what, what do you mean that you did something stupid? Like what? It was just like, just say for instance, um, I like I told you, I would want to fight, argue, yeah. yeah, just 
cuss people out, and that's yeah. not that's not me. You know, I'm out. It took me. I was out of my character on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things. And she's nodding her head, yeah. so she must have noticed. Yeah, that. and even with her, I was just out of character on a lot of things. So, what was the turning point for you? So, the doctor said, "Okay, mm-hmm. you're still on this medication, and you should." No, I, I told you I had an out of body experience. Tell me that you did tell me that in the grocery store that day. Okay. I had an out of body experience, and. I was to the point of when I tell you I didn't grieve properly over my daughter and I didn't I really didn't get peace even though in the back of my mind I knew I was at peace mm-hmm. but I still had to get that peace. Mm-hmm. My out of body experience where I was having to the point where every like I was fly to new from New Jersey to Georgia to from Georgia to Alabama I was taking my daughter in her casket everywhere I went. So in this out-of-body experience, this is what was happening? Yes. I will take her out of her casket. Mm-hmm. When we get to the house, I will put her, lay her back in her in the bed, mm-hmm. cover her up. I knew something wasn't right. Right. So when you had these out-of-body experiences, was it in the form of like a dream? Or were you just like literally sitting and your mind would just kind of wander? Sitting and my mind would wander. Yeah. Even sometime when I dream. But I was to the point where... Why am I taking my daughter out of her casket? Mm-hmm. Why am I mm-hmm. having a funeral over and over again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here just... And so what did that mean to you? Like, what do you think that it, meant? I knew that I wasn't healing. Yeah. Because I know that she's at peace, you know. She but you knew, needed to still get I there. I needed to get there because yeah. she was born... No, she didn't commit any crime, mm-hmm. you know, she was an angel, so I knew that she was she was good. I wasn't good. Mm-hmm. So once I was like, you know, let me once I move back to Georgia, you know, I'm gonna come here. I worked hard. I saved my money so that way, my first year, I need to do this. This is something that I need to do because why should I have to still be walking be a walking pharmacy? Mm-hmm. So how much time had passed from? The out of body experience to you moving back down south. So basically, just say the end of twenty sixteen. Okay. I just started. I knew that I had to make a change. And then with that, that was also coming off the medication. Mm-hmm. And so when. And so basically, I just said, you know, I could because you just can't jump and get off medication. Right. You actually have to go the right process. Mm-hmm. You know. Because when you're taking Valium, you're taking Seroquel, you're taking some heavy medication, mm-hmm. and you're on some high dosages, mm-hmm. you, I wouldn't recommend nobody to just jump off of it. That's something you have to be, take your, you know, the doctor. How did you wean yourself from so it? So basically, I just started, like, taking less. And I told my doctor, I was like, I want to get off medication. And when she was, when I went for my next appointment, she wrote me a pres- prescription. For- I don't want it. Okay. Okay. So you first started taking less. Was it a lower dosage? A lower or? dosage. Okay. I would break them in half. Okay. Only because I would just take it enough to so I can go to sleep. Because mm-hmm. for those first two years, I didn't sleep at all. Mm-hmm. My mind was like constantly racing. Yeah. Like I didn't have no peace. Like, which is why you were walking at night. Too. Walking at night yeah. in the in the big in the city. Mm-hmm. I would walk, catch the train from New Jersey to New York, and just walk the streets. You know, the thing is, you just never know what people are going through. You never know. You know what I'm saying? Like, there have been times that I've been in the car, 
and I'll look over at people in their car, mm-hmm. and they're, they they just look like they have the weight of the world on their shoulder. And you just don't know if they've just lost their home, if they've just lost a child, if they've just gone through a divorce. Like, you just don't know what people you are going know. through. You never know. So, basically, I just... I started weaning, weaning myself off of it, you know, with you know under doctor's care, uh-huh. and then when I got back to Georgia because I knew that New Jersey wasn't home. I didn't have my family. I didn't have mm-hmm. the support of nobody behind me, which I did. But at the same time, it's nothing like home. Mm-hmm. So basically, when I got back here, I knew that I needed to grieve, and I knew what I needed to do. And so when I got here, I was just like, I don't want any more medication. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I have to do this. Because I knew that my daughter wouldn't be wanting me sitting here just wasting my stuck. life away. Stuck. stuck. Yeah. Taking pills and alcohol yes. just to, you know, to be at peace with her mm-hmm. situation. And I, you know, so basically I just had to, people fail to realize that. Even though, so say you 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 you're grieving, uh-huh. don't pick up a phone, a call, or pick up the phone and say, "Oh, I'm just checking on you." Yes. Or send a text message. Oh, I'm just checking mm-hmm. checking on you. Mm-hmm. If that person come across your mind, get up, mm-hmm. get in the car, mm-hmm. and go over there and see what's going on mm-hmm. with that person because God didn't lay that person Listen. on your heart that day. Yes. So that was, that's yes. basically nobody was checking on me. Yeah. Yeah. They would text. They'll pick up the phone and call me. But nobody came nobody came to see about to you. To see me. Yeah. Because that at that time my I, I wasn't in the best. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I have this new thing that I've been doing probably over the past month and I did it yesterday, mm-hmm. I did it I think the day before. Whenever a person crosses my mind, even if it's somebody that I talk to on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. but especially those that I don't mm-hmm. talk to regularly, mm-hmm. I'm going to reach out to them mm-hmm. and say, hey, but one of the problems when people lose someone, um, we're always very much so there for them up to the funeral. Right. Because but then they, it's the days, the, day, the nobody... weeks, the months after that that nobody checks on them. It's almost like because the funeral happened, mm-hmm. you just feel like the person is good now. But, but you, the... they still need you to drive by. Pick them up. Come over. Yeah, keep you them go company. Over and give me a. I need. I needed a hug that yeah. day. Yeah. You don't know. I. I. But I need. I needed right. a hug that day. When I woke up this morning, I was in such a bad place. But you just don't know if you had a came and knocked on my door. I'd mm-hmm. a surprise. Just mm-hmm. come see what mm-hmm. I'm doing. A phone call. That's fine. Mm-hmm. A text is fine. But seeing me physically, you never know. You could have saved. You yeah. saved my life that day because yeah. you don't know if my mind. Yeah. I wanted to go commit suicide Absolutely. if I wanted to harm myself or if I just want to do something stupid. Yeah. But you knocking on my door. Yeah. Yeah. Could have interrupted all of a, that. A whole. Yeah. And so that's why I always say, you know. You have to. It's beyond. It, mm-hmm. It's actually beyond the death. Yeah. And people need to realize that. You know, you. It's we all grieving, and then and all, people grieve differently. People grieve differently, and people. That's why I say everybody saw me so well together, mm-hmm. and they how I handled her disability, and mm-hmm. they didn't expect me, but I was crying out for help. Yeah. So does your family know all of this stuff now? They know now. And so how did you end up telling them? Like, what made you... 
Well, I, I didn't tell them right away. Okay. <clears throat> and so, like I have to say again, once I knew what I had to do mm-hmm. to get to really grieve, because it was no reason why I should be seeing my daughter in the casket. You know? Yeah, you still visualizing that. Um, yeah. I needed to see her playing. Mm-hmm. Running, laughing, mm-hmm. and that's what I always at peace. At peace, and yeah. I never got that. Right. So I had to go in solidarity, and and and, and mm-hmm. trust me, your family members, if, if they really love you and they really support you and they really understand you mm-hmm. and understand what you're really going through, if that person, if I'm, I'm grieving, mm-hmm. let me go in my solidarity. That means mm-hmm. I have to pull away from everybody. Mm-hmm. Because I'm so vulnerable right now. Mm-hmm. You vulnerable. You weak. Mm-hmm. You open. And that's when I tell you, that's about the good, the bad, and the ugly. A grief. So, when you were doing, when you were in this phase where you were by yourself, you were drinking, were you making any unhealthy choices in terms of dating? No. Or were you not at all involved? I wasn't at dating all? at okay. all. Because that's oftentimes when we're I in those... I was actually going through a divorce. Okay. And I had to go through a divorce. Yeah. And even though my husband was a good stepfather to my daughter, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I wasn't... Yes. I wasn't uh-huh. a wife. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Even though I kept saying... You weren't present. I wasn't present. I yeah. had checked out yeah. my marriage. Yeah. And he was a good support system. Yeah. And I, even I kept explaining to him, you know what, I think I have to go back to Georgia. And even when I got back home to Georgia mm-hmm. just to relax, mm-hmm. he would call, you know, 30 times a day, which it was okay. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just needed that time. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I just had to go through my divorce, you know, and just, you know, we're friends to this day. What point did you, how old was your daughter when you married him? Oh, God. I'm, we got married in 2011. And what year was she born? She was born in 92. So she was about, what's that? Is that nine? No, she 19? was. 19? This is 19. Uh, my, aunt, my, my, so my, my, she was like 17. She was 17. 17. My math yes. is a little off. Yeah, mine's too. Okay, so so he was there for, for a considerable amount of years, mm-hmm. the last few years. Mm-hmm. So I can understand that because I remember even being in the height of my depression, being in relationships and not being present. Mm-hmm. And I often say that if, if I could go back mm-hmm. and be a different me, a, deep, a different version of myself at that time, I'm sure the relationship could have been different. Do you think if it had been a different space and time that that marriage would still... You know, at that point, because... Like I said, that's when I was on medication. Mm-hmm. I was drinking with mm-hmm. the medication. So basically, I wasn't happy. I had to suppress so much mm-hmm. to the point of I wasn't true to myself. Mm-hmm. And so if I can't be true to myself, how can I be true to my husband? Did he Was he aware of the drinking and the medication? Yeah, he, he knows. Did. Okay. Yeah. He knew at the time? Yeah, he knew. Okay. But at the end of the day, I just, I wasn't true to myself. And how can I give him and be a wife mm-hmm. and I'm not true mm-hmm. I wasn't cheating I never cheated on my husband you mm-hmm. know and we had a good marriage a good relationship you know but at the end of the day it doesn't make any sense for me to drag him along right. in what I have going through right. even though he was there he supported me but at the same time I was so broken and yeah. so damaged to the point of yeah you know 
So w- were you still married when your daughter passed? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how how did he? He he was uh, that's like I said he was a very good support okay. system. You know, like we we talk to this day. We you know we're friends. Yeah. And it's better that way. You know. But at the same time, I didn't want to keep bringing him along in my depression. Yeah. yeah. Because he loved me, and he saw me hurting, mm-hmm. but he didn't know what to do. Yeah. He didn't know how to heal me. He didn't know how to fix me. So. And I was so I was at a I was so because it was just I was just so low in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I just couldn't bring him along with that. And so that's why I said I can't be selfish and just tag him along in my bullshit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So once you realized what you needed, which was the solitude, how did you start to kind of And what I, I What I started doing, because I knew that I had to go into deep solidarity. Like, I just had to really dig deep into mm-hmm. myself. I had to... I didn't go out. Mm-hmm. I would work, come home to my room because at the same time, like I told you, when you're grieving and you're hurting, like that's why I told you the good, the bad, and the ugly side of grief. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a bug. It's it's an infestation. It just like leeches onto you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the proper treatment to mm-hmm. to maintain or to to kill this infestation, mm-hmm. it was going on. And I was bringing everybody along with me. Yeah. I was a t- everybody who y- you getting on it too. Mm-hmm. So basically, you have to go in solidarity. You have to go deep within yourself and really find out the really root of the your root grief. cause. Yes. Yeah. You know, how can you come at peace? Like I had to seek God. Yeah. I had to seek I mean, I didn't talk to nobody uh-huh. and it wasn't to hurt anybody's mm-hmm. feeling. But yeah. I had to do it because if I didn't do it I wouldn't be sitting here talking yeah. to you today. Yeah. No, I, I completely get that because And people have to respect they that. Do. That's the thing. People don't want to respect when yeah. you if I'm not picking up the phone, if I say I'm okay, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. But if I'm you you know, I'm I'm not going out, I'm not doing anything, I'm just working, coming home, and I result to my bedroom, let me be because at the end of the day I can't just be out and about. You got your problems, so guess what I'm gonna do? And I'm so into you and your issues. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hinder my own healing yeah. process. And so basically I'm taking on what you got mm-hmm. going on. Do, would you say, because for me, I believe that um, depression can be a springboard to a new life for yourself. It can. Because for me, it was it was very dark. It was mm-hmm. very lonely. Mm-hmm. And I was very isolated. Right. Because it was a period where I was transitioning um, through different friendships. I was cycling through mm-hmm. different friendships. Um, but I think that that's, in the greater context of things, mm-hmm. I think that was a, a, a pruning process mm-hmm. that God or the universe was mm-hmm. taking me through. Mm-hmm. So he was stripping me of like certain people that were in my life at that time that weren't going to the next phase right. in my life. But it was also a part of me that had to die. Mm-hmm. There was some dying that I had to do. Mm-hmm. And I say this all the time, and I've joked about it before on my live about Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill has this unplugged, this MTV unplugged um, DVD that she did, CD that she did some years ago. And there's a song on there 
where she says, you know, I had to do some dying. And I related to that because it just simply meant I had to leave a part of myself behind. Mm -hmm. You know, that part of me had to die. You know, and and, and sometimes I think that, you know, you have to be stripped. Mm -hmm. And again... God, the universe knows what each of us needs mm-hmm. to to blossom, to bloom to that next level. Yes. And and it's and it's painful. Oh yeah. It but is. I believe the greatest amount of growth mm-hmm. comes from the most painful experiences. It does. Because it, it makes you a whole it makes you have a whole different prospect and outlook. Outlook, on life. yes. Yeah. Because I and, and people don't know. And then like I like I told you, I had to really go and really seek. Mm-hmm my purpose on on here mm-hmm. of being here and still continuing to walk and what my, is it my 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 new purpose is to basically be a voice and to be a voice of reasoning to young mothers mm-hmm. especially when they having kids with special needs because mm-hmm. you don't know what to do yeah you know let me show you what i did mm-hmm. you don't have to do exactly what i did but you can take the tools that i'm yeah. giving you and use it to help you in your situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. everybody can't deal with a special needs child. Yeah, that's but, a, they can't. Yeah, and to your point, I think that death gives life purpose. Mm-hmm. It does. It gives life purpose. You know, and, and I believe that it encourages us and it challenges us mm-hmm. to live even more fervently. Right. And if you're on your course and yeah. you have no idea, you're on your life course and you have no idea what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes death the death of a loved one can trigger that yeah. for you. But people fail to realize too. And I learned this while I was in solidarity and while I was talking to God mm-hmm. and when I finally got my when I got it. Yes. I learned that through my daughter's passing, I end up taking on her whole persona, her behavior. Mm-hmm. You become that person who passed away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize that. Just say if your grandmother raised you and she was a significant part of your life. And mm-hmm. she passed away. You're gonna end up finding yourself cooking like grandma. Yeah. Talking like grandma. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Acting like grandma. The yeah. same behavior. You're gonna have those. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna see it. Yeah. So I find myself when <laughs> yeah. kicking up my daughter's behavior, like because she couldn't talk. So yeah. you will see me, and sometimes I will meet people or be in conversations or be out in the present, and folks just talking around me. I'll go. I, I won't say anything, uh-huh. and I'm just listening. Yeah, you know, is you 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 be surprised of what death really can do. Mm-hmm. And so I say, you know, and even in my downtime and even in my grief, people try to use me. And see, if mm-hmm. you don't, that's what I'm saying. People people will use you when you're grieving. Because mm-hmm. because you, your inhibitions are down. You, you're weak. Yeah. You're your guard is down. Yeah. You're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. You don't have the right people around you. And even if that right person is around you, people will study your habits and what you're doing in your grief, and they know, mm-hmm. and they will prey on it. Do you feel like that happened to you? It could have. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it did. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure it did. But at the same time, I'm glad it happened. Yeah. Because now I don't have to deal with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Because... A lot of things that was happening, I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. And once I went into solidarity, I was like, okay, "You get a, a I got certain amount of clarity." Yeah. I got it, and I remember everything yeah. that you did and that person did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and see, that's one of the things that I say on here all of the time too, because depression. Once you get to a space where you can kind of clear your mind a bit, mm-hmm. 
if you sit still long enough, you can really pay Ooh, attention to you your life. And this is why at the end of my lives, I always say, pay attention to your life. Mm-hmm. Pay close attention to your life. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You got to have that moment at the mm-hmm. end of the day, the end of the week, yes. the end of the month, something where you sit down and really just kind of evaluate your, your life. life. Yeah, and just pay attention yes. to stuff. And that's what I say. People say it all the time. People do it all the time. And I tell anybody, if I can leave anybody with anything... If you know, have a team together. Like we never plan for death. I, I say a tribe. But have you gotta have your a tribe. Team together yeah. because just in case y'all have y'all have it together. Say you going through grief hits your family member. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. have that cousin, your best cousin that you know you can depend on. That have that uncle that you know you can depend on. So that way you gonna be attacked because everything is gonna come at you. Yeah. But as long as you got your uncle and your cousin that you put on your team yeah. to be that blocker and the defense yeah. you get that buffer that yeah it, it's gonna work mm-hmm. so you all everybody needs to have a team mm-hmm. you got to have that team because you're gonna be you grief you get attacked so much do you still go to therapy now? no Okay, so you. Felt I do. I, I go. I, let me take that back. Checks. I go for a maintenance check, uh-huh. and I have to do that just to make sure I'm, yeah. I'm checking with myself. Yeah, yeah. But I thank God every day that I'm not taking medication mm-hmm. at night mm-hmm. to go to sleep. I'm not taking medication to function. Mm-hmm. I'm able to live my life. I'm at peace. So, where do you find your joy now? Right now, I'm just working. Okay. Working and my niece. Uh-huh. <laughs> but and my mom and my stepdad, you know. Okay. But basically, I'm still, I'm still, you know, I'm learning to live. Mm-hmm. That basically, I'm learning. Because it's only been five years. Yeah, I'm learning to live. Yeah. So basically, I w- I haven't lived in five years. Right. So basically, I'm learning to live. So you're just learning what you like. I'm love. learning, yeah. Because yeah. I never been alone. I, I, you know, I've been dating since I was 16. So. Uh-huh. I haven't since me and my husband got a divorce in 27th. Well, we we um, separated in August of 27th. Well, September of 2017. Okay. And our divorce became official in June of 2018. Okay. So basically, I've been single mm-hmm. all that time. Yeah. And it's okay. It is. And I think and people don't know that. Yeah. yeah. And I, but I needed that because yeah. I didn't want to bring. The next relationship or bring the next person into what I had going yeah. on. You got to clear the stuff out. I, w- I was damaged. Yeah. You know, I didn't, and I didn't want to turn to sex yeah. because I, I wasn't going to be healing. You right. know, I'm just basically, I'm masking it. Sex is just masking the situation. Yeah. So ba- I just wanted to be by myself in solidarity. And I just feel like I, I, I saved a lot of people mm-hmm. by doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I may have hurt some people, but at Along the end of the, the way, day, yeah. If you understand and if you really love me and you really was there for me and you you know what I was going through. Yeah. Because when you lose your only child, you know, so just give me that time to heal. It may be a year, maybe a two or two. But once I got myself together, then I'm I'm back. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm just learning to live. I so appreciate you telling your story. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we actually made this happen. Like I, know, I literally right? met you two months ago, and I did you think that I forgot? 
No, I just knew you guys were busy. <laughs> I was like, because you yeah. followed the show and stuff yeah. like that. Because I was just like, I've got to call her. And I looked on my, because I had your number in my notes mm-hmm. on my phone. And I said, and I said to Madison probably like a couple weeks ago, I said, I never called that girl from Publix. <laughs> and Madison was like, oh, Craig, you ain't shit. Oh, and I said, no, I think I have it, though. And so I looked it up and I said, mm-hmm. her number is in here. Mm-hmm. And so I had it. And so I'm glad you came over here because I really do believe that... Um, Somebody will hear something, even if their story isn't identical to yours. Right. I think that there are probably people that will hear this, and hopefully it will trigger them to um, yeah. reach out for support. Yeah. And if anybody has a family member or a friend that's going through grief, you know, don't pick up the phone, don't text, get in your car, get on the plane, mm-hmm. and go knock on the door. and go Because they need that hug. They need it. So, basically, you have to just, you know, you can't just say, oh, what are you doing today? You okay? Because I'm going to lie to you. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm doing good. But I'm yes. not doing good. Yeah. Knock on that door. Yeah. Reach out. Hold a hand. Route, put your arms around that person because they need it. Well, the comments on YouTube oh, and they Facebook, say, hey. they say, you really helped me today. Oh, I, I hope really so. needed to hear this today. Um, so listen, I, I appreciate you again um, for for coming and talking. Thank you to guys. Us. I appreciate everybody for listening and tuning in, and hopefully that my story, you know, reach out and you know it touch somebody. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm just learning to live, and grief is hard, but you can get through it. You know, I wouldn't recommend nobody just jump off medication, but at the same time, if you can wean yourself off the medication, get with your doctor and do it the proper way because the medication for me it hindered my process, mm-hmm. and I wasn't living. Mm-hmm. So once I got myself off the medication. You know, because basically it was it it kept me in that place. I was I wasn't yeah. I wasn't growing. Yeah. I wasn't happy. So once you get off the medication and you know just start living a healthier life and just finding out, you know, what's your purpose and what do you have to do from you know what do you got to do from now? You know yeah. what's what's what next? are the next steps? What's next? Yeah. So once you do that, trust me, it, it's a good process. It's a very good process. Yeah. Please hit the share button. If this is your first time listening to So Much To Say, please share this link. We're available for free in Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, wherever you can listen to a podcast. And if y'all want to follow me, yes, go ahead. I think I'm going to start. I am going to start. Yes. I'm going to start. And I'm going to call. It's going to be called the Step In and Step Up Initiative of Grief. And we have to do it because we're all dealing with it. So we have to step in and step up. So basically, y'all follow me at Ashia, A S H I A underscore 9214. Uh-huh. On IG. And then we're going to go from there. Yes, but I think that I love the name. The yeah. step in. And we have to step in and step up. Yeah, initiative. Mm-hmm. I think that, that might be part of what you're called yes. to do. Like Even in the way that you look at Trayvon Martin's mm-hmm. mom. Yes. As unfortunate as that was, look at what she's doing now. She's actually running for public office now. Yes. You know what I'm saying? But even before that, she was doing all of this work. Mm-hmm. Around uh, police harassment and violence, and you know all of yes. that. You know what I'm saying. So sometimes we don't understand it mm-hmm. in the moment, 
but it's always designed to grow us and to pull the best out of us. I'll have to say one more thing Go ahead. to everybody. So when I graduated college from Felician College, it was Felician College, but the, um, in 2016, they became a university in mm-hmm. Rutherford and Lodi, New Jersey. So basically, when I was going through my grief and I actually went back to school, my professors, they saw what I was going through, but they saw my dedication to my education as well. And believe it or not, I did my senior research. I did my mm-hmm. my, my project, everything. And... Um, but because uh, I have a degree in biology and chemistry, mm-hmm. so basically I had to go before the board, well, the committee at school, mm-hmm. did my research, and my professor pulled me to the side because I at that time I was doing analytical chemistry, mm-hmm. and so that's like the and the fact that you were doing all, all of that, that and right. yeah, go ahead. So my professor she pulled me to the side. She was like, I can't believe you were doing your research and you was dealing with grief at the same time. So my my biggest accomplishment when I graduated, but I also what I was the person who I was doing it for wasn't there and I wanted my daughter to be at the end of that stage when I walked across mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. wasn't there so me just going through the motion graduating college and everything my school gave me a citation from mm-hmm. the state of New Jersey mm-hmm. they recognized me for my hard work and dedication that's awesome and I didn't even know it yeah but after I realized I mean I got a citation from the state of New Jersey from the the Senate. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, I wish you nothing but the best. I, know, right? I wish you oh, nothing but the best. Yeah. We definitely want to hear more about step yeah. in and step, step up. up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you go ahead and get you a five hundred one C three. Yes. And make it happen yes. because this is this could this could be a part of what you were called to do. Yes. This may be your life's work. We never know.